Blog Talk Radio. Assalamu alaikum. Peace be unto you all. Welcome to Elevated Places. I am your host, Sister Ava Muhammad. My co-host is Brother Terrence Muhammad, and we are here to serve you as we have for a number of years on blogtalkradio.com forward slash elevated places. For those who are logging in, via their devices, and those who call in, 563-999-3065, and to make sure that Brother Terrence and I are successful, we have an array of talent that is with (laughs) us each and every single week, and it's that team that makes this thing work our executive producer, Sister Rona Muhammad, our contributors, international correspondent, Brother Ruben Muhammad out of Melbourne, Australia, our health contributor, Sister Mariam K. Muhammad, who is brilliant. I'm going to stop saying the same word over and over. Uh, Everyone knows that's why more and more people are tuning in. Uh, Sister Mariam always gives us the updates on COVID-19 and then shares with us incredible uh, information and tips on how to maintain our health. And then, of course, our legal contributor, Sister Attorney Pamela Muhammad, who's on the uh, Nation of Islam legal team. Um, All of us work hard together uh, to make elevated places the place to be. And uh, Brother Terrence, of course, is the point person uh, who once again has uh, been able to uh, attain for us a very special guest who I happen to be introduced to via YouTube. And I I love this brother already. Uh, But we will be getting to uh, that part of our program shortly. Um, As we know, a great deal has been happening as we witness the unraveling of a great nation, um, America's infrastructure infrastructure crumbling from within uh, because of her refusal 
to let go of her foundation, which is white supremacy. In order for her to come out of this uh, condition that she's in with revolution in the streets, with her health care system being exposed as completely deficient, um, the only way out of this is to atone uh, for all that she has done and to make good on uh, at least the promises made um, in 1865 um, after the Civil War. But we'll talk more about that as well also. Uh, we have updates on what is going on uh, with the protests. We have updates on some of the uh, charges um, against various uh, police officers and others uh, for the murders uh, of our brothers and sister, uh, particularly the state-sponsored murders uh, at the hands of the police. And so we'll get to all of that, uh, but we are preparing to hear on the 4th of July from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, his message, The Criterion. And hopefully uh, you have received the video promotion, which is phenomenal, that was prepared by Brother Haq Muhammad. And uh, if you uh, have not received it, uh, get word to us because we can uh, send you the link. But you can go to NOI.org, NOI.org, and you'll find uh, the promotional video for you to uh, be able to share. So, Brother Terrence, um, I think that this evening we're going to be starting with yourself. Uh, what better place to start than with my co-host? And to take us further into the program, Brother Terrence Muhammad. Well, well, assalamu alaikum. <laughs> well, guess so <laughs> I wasn't expecting to jump right into it. I guess we'll jump right into it, and then we'll see <laughs> if we're going to go right into um, who we have. But today, you know, the first thing I, I definitely want to say is that we are anxious, anxiously awaiting. And I was seeing people today, and it was like, yes, we cannot wait to July 4th. July 4th, everybody is waiting and anticipating hearing from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, uh, the criterion. Um, and, you know, it's, it's enough said. It's, it's one of those things where you're going to watch it, you're going to hear, you're going to see, and the mic is going to be dropped, and it's going to be it. Um, and, you know, we, we wait uh, for the guidance and the leadership that God has given to the messenger of God, who we know is the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, and we're just waiting, anticipating to hear that. So I'm I'm really excited, I'm amped up, and just ready uh, to go. And because I'm in Chicago, I got to give a shout out to my 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 squad, New World, uh, the young brothers, the young squad, New World. Uh, they just dropped a new release. Uh, and is and I, I'm I'm promoting hip hop right here on this show, and I'm just saying it because they got some stuff where Farrakhan is in it. They outside Mas Mariam, they got teachings in it, and I only bring that up is because I love it when we can hear a hip hop song that has some lessons in it, yeah. has some teaching in it, in the yeah. midst of everything that's out there. But I say yeah. that because even the song though, and the track is so dope. 
and you just rock into it, but it's good, and that's the music with KRS-One, Public Enemy, Big Daddy Kane. You was rocking to it. You were loving it, and you was rocking, but at the same time, you was getting taught, and little jewels and seeds were being dropped into our minds. So I support brothers that put out good music that the streets, we say the streets will love, but at the same time, you're hearing the jewels and you're seeing Moss Marion where you know you need to come and be a part of this beautiful squad. So shout out to New World and the things that they're doing. Also, Dr. Avis, you know, we're going to hear from our callers. This is it's so much going on, and I just want to close out quickly on a couple of things, and I will tell people to go back to get that lecture that the minister did in Texas uh, at the Indaba, and at the near the end of it, he was talking about scare folks. You know, ones want to go free, come over here. The ones that want to stay, stay over here. We ain't with no snitches, no stool pigeons. We ain't with all of that. If you scared, you know, stay over there and how the minister just gave that fire. And that's where we are now, as you have done the town halls uh, on separation and what we must do and what we need to do. Um, And I just want to let everybody, uh, and I'm just saying this as an activist, I'm putting caution to the wind. Please remember that the counterintelligence program has not ended of J. Edgar Hoover when they spied on our black leadership and our black organizations in the 60s and the 70s, and they tried to shut them down, lie on them, uh, do a whole bunch of stuff. You just got to study about the counterintelligence program. And I say that to say that as people were protesting, as people was moving and people are going about, watch how things play out. I'm seeing a lot new um, activists pop up on the scene, a lot of new activists that have not been around they're suddenly around and doing movements and leading people, and I just say be very, very careful. So when all these new organizations and people want to donate money, donate to those that have been doing, like a Nation of Islam who's always been in the community. So if you need somewhere to donate money, donate to not an organization that just popped up on the ground, but those that have been fighting for black liberation since day one. Um, so just be mindful of who is in your city now claiming that they have always been down uh, and everybody's are woke. And one of the things somebody said it today is that um, be careful about saying you, um, stay woke because uh, biologically you can't stay woke. And sometimes you got to get some rest. So everybody's always <laughs> awake. Uh, you need to be questioning and they got some bugged out eyes. <laughs> I'm scared of you. <laughs> but I want to close out, Dr. Ava, on we had a great time today. It was a great time for uh, our sister, Brianna Taylor. Her name was lifted up in Kentucky. Shout out to Brother Gerald uh, Muhammad, who was on the scenes. Um, but uh, our beautiful uh, sister, Tamika Mallory, Linda Sassor, my brother, my son, uh, um, Until Freedom, the organization that they founded, Until Freedom, uh, had a wonderful rally in support of Brianna Taylor, her family. Her mother was there. Um, Common was there, Jada Pinkett Smith was there, and Willow uh, was also there on the scene supporting our city. And there was many others that was there today in Kentucky with this huge rally. Uh, and the organization Until Freedom and Benjamin Crump, um, they're not just here for the cameras. They're going to hear, be here for the long haul to make sure that Brianna gets justice um, for her murder. Uh, and as we're talking about Sister Brianna, sadly, Dr. Ava, there's more and more young brother named Elijah in Colorado. More and more people we're yeah. hearing. Um, Joel 
Yeah. Joel, we had a press conference yesterday in Milwaukee, a Latino brother that got choked out. There are so many, many, many people that are still um, getting killed. Um, so we're not seeing the last of this. So we are steadily waiting to hear from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, July 4th, uh, 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern, go to NOI.org, NOI.org, and I'm not sure if I said it at the beginning, but today would have been Tamara Rice's 18th birthday. Today would have been Tamara okay. Rice's 18th birthday. Uh, so we remember oh. uh, his name as well. Back to you, Dr. Ava. The, what you just stated about other names beginning to, to be brought to the uh, national attention really as a result of the the protests that are taking place all over the country and, the, and even the globe and the overall uh, awakening of, of consciousness because the uh, torture murder of George Floyd was so horrific. It was a trigger. There's been an undercurrent, as we know, uh, for an almost infinite amount of time. Um, and there's been pain and grief and anger in the black community. But we always have to keep in mind, we don't know how many of our people are killed on a daily basis at the hands of uh, the state through local police who don't have a family or whose family is is trying so hard to survive or is not uh, connected or bonded in a way that they are able to uh, launch a response or put up a fight over the death of their loved ones. And oftentimes you have disappearances where black people are just, uh, they walk out of a home or walk out or seen somewhere and never seen again. And that is one of the characteristics of lynchings. This is, this is why uh, we can't even estimate the losses. Um, for example, with Tulsa, Oklahoma, um, the, the race massacre of uh, 1921, where there was an absolute uh, scorching of the earth. I mean, they destroyed 40 blocks of residences and businesses, actually almost like a small city within the city of Tulsa, and leveled it, burned everything to the ground. And there, some have said 300 black people were killed. Some have said 500. And we know it was probably more than that. 9,000 left homeless. And worst of all, the psychological uh, damage and trauma of being attacked in in that holocaust of of that day but what is not widely known is prior to Tulsa there were a lot of little smaller towns in Oklahoma that were attacked and destroyed where the black community was destroyed in the same way because at that time the Ku Klux Klan uh, had a great deal of their activity in Oklahoma. You know, we like to talk about Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, but slavery, lynching, hatred, racism permeates this continent. There, There is no reality of north and south. This is everywhere 
that you go. So I'm just glad you brought that up, that more and more names uh, are being brought to surface, and, and I hope they continue to be, because we know this is, there's, there's many more, unfortunately, sadly. Um, so what we're going to do uh, right now, we're going to go to our uh, health contributor uh, before we get to our special guest. And our health contributor, of course, is the one and only, highly spiritual, always uh, with a very uh, serious issue, but she just gives us such enlightenment. And that is Sister Mariam K. Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum, Sister Mariam. Wa alaikum salam. Yes, yes, yes. A couple of things. First, uh, when Brother Terrence was talking about the stay woke thing, it's something to me how this enemy and our ignorance twist so many things because I know when I first looked at the just, just stay woke, and when I first heard it, actually, I connected it to understanding that the mind does not rest. The brain does not rest. It does not go to sleep. And if we connect to the God enough, we will understand the essence of the phrase, stay woke, to be aware of what's going on out here. But we take stuff and we just do crazy stuff with it. It's ridiculous. But anyway, okay, COVID. So um, (laughs) yesterday I had um, the privilege of interviewing some medical staff at Northwestern Hospital because I had a follow-up appointment for the uh, blood clot situation I had in January. And they were open to talking to me about what's happening with COVID, what they see. And one of the nurses was expressing that – she really wishes the government stopped opening up places because she was saying COVID has not gone anywhere. And the, the stats that they're given are incorrect. The reviews, the coverage that they're given are incorrect. And she was saying that she really wished they would come into the hospital. Let the news come into the hospital and do a report on what's actually happening with COVID. And she asked me the question, Can you imagine what it feels like to have a human being in front of you that cannot breathe? It's not the same as somebody having an asthma attack. When you're having an asthma attack, they can grab some arbuterol and and assist you. With COVID, they can't grab anything. All they can do is pretty much try to comfort you, encourage you, But there's nothing they can do. And she was saying how it leaves them, the medical staff, feeling so helpless. And then when they reach out for help or, you know, you you think that Dr. Fauci and all of these others who are the face of the medical staff of COVID would really try to help them with resources outside of ventilators because they were saying as it relates to the ventilators, it's really a psychological comfort for the medical staff and for the family to protect them from lawsuits that they're just trying to do all that they can to save your family member. But they know the percentage is so high that that person, that once they go on the ventilator, that's it. They have a, a, such a high chance of not coming back. 
and she was saying to have to watch them suffer even on a ventilator. They have to heavily medicate them. If they're on a ventilator for more than, I think it's like 20 days, then they lose so much muscle mass. They're laying on a cold bed of almost ice to keep the temperature under control because their temperature is staying at like 104. So to imagine having to monitor someone like that because they're trying to drop the, um, the body temperature, but if you drop it too fast, you can lose your patient. So they have to monitor them on these ventilators, but the medical staff I was talking to was admitting they don't have enough medical personnel to monitor the people on the ventilator. So it's frustrating them because they're not getting the resources and the help that they need. And at the same time, they're having psychological sessions because they're watching people die and it's nothing you can do about it. When you took an oath to help save somebody's life. So, I mean, she literally was in tears and she asked me what I do, and I told her I was a teacher, and she said, I am praying that this government does not open up the schools in the fall because we need to stop acting like COVID has gone somewhere. It's still right here. And I'm just sitting there like, I, I told her I believe that. I absolutely believe that. But I, I'm like, you know, and is there anything you all can do to get your word out, to, to get your voice out there, that this is actual facts of what's happening in the hospital? And she said they're being told they can't. They will lose their job if they say anything about what's actually happening in the hospital. If they come forth to the media and say people are dying, people are still coming in in alarming rates with COVID, that's why the president is saying don't test them anymore because he sees the real records and understands that COVID has not gone anywhere. And if you show the real numbers, you can't open this country back up. But he's so focused on this economy and wanting to make money, he doesn't care how many lives he's putting at risk to make this money or make our economy look better when he's really going to make the death rate rise. So, and another thing I experienced too at the hospital yesterday was how I really believe white people manipulate us into acting a fool. Because I was walking at Northwestern Hospital. Um, when you park your car in the parking lot, you got to walk all the way around the building outside to get into the one entrance they let you in at because that's their checkpoint. Um, and this white woman was walking behind me. So we're walking around the building, and both of us are confused, trying to figure out how to get in. So I saw a nurse coming, and I asked her, how do you get into the building? And she showed me. She walked me to it, and the white woman behind me is constantly going off. She's like, this, this doesn't make any sense. I dropped my husband off on the other side of the building. Can you telling me he had to walk all the way over here? So I wasn't paying attention to her like that. I wasn't going to be engaged in her madness. So we get into the lobby area. And I thank the nurse for walking me around there. And then the white woman is still complaining. And then the medical personnel at the um, desk, she says, you have to remove the mask that you have on and you have to put on our mask. So I told her, yes, ma'am, no problem. I just asked if I can have two of their masks. So she didn't have any problem with that. The white woman behind me was like, why do I have to take off my mask? And so 
the lady started explaining to her because it's a self-made mask. We know that ours are more effective, and these are our rules. So a black, an elderly black woman walks in, and the lady, she tells her, you can keep on your mask or you can put on one of ours. Now, you know at that point that white woman hit the ceiling. Why is it that she can keep her mask? She was like, we are very upset. No, ma'am, I am not with you. I don't understand why you just said we, like we together. No, I am not upset. I told her, I hear and obey. I don't have an issue with following rules. We are currently studying the law of God, and I understand that we just went over the law of men in our study, guys. And I'm like, all of this is going through my mind. And I'm like, I'm not about to allow this white woman to pull me into her foolishness, and they'll wind up taking me to jail, and she'll go home. So I, the lady wound up letting me in, and I went up to my doctor's appointment. But I thank Allah so much for our teaching because that really showed me how in our ignorance we will be drawn into their arrogance and will act a fool and they will call security. And, of course, they're not going to take the white folks to jail. They're going to take us to jail. So we have to be very mindful and always thinking our way through situations so that we don't get pulled in because white people feel privileged and they don't like to feel like you're taking away from me my control because I have to be in control. Oh, my God. That experience, I thank a lot so much for that experience. I really, really do. But so that was what I wanted to share um, because I really thought the what the nurses were saying about the COVID situation is, yeah. is just so essential and it's so needed for us to know and to hear because if we're just watching the news, the news, of course, gives us one side, the side that whatever this government wants us to have, it doesn't give us the truth. So I thank the nurses definitely for opening up and expressing that to us. So right. I, I cannot stress enough that if we have any symptoms, don't play with that. Don't, you know, if you go into the store, wear your mask, if you got your hand sanitizer or what have you, but just be careful and be mindful because we in the streets partying for real. <laughs> we are really, really partying. Like COVID is gone. Um, but inshallah, we, we will be okay. Because of course we will survive. Absolutely. So that's my yes, portion, my interview of COVID. Thank you, <laughs> Thank you so much. And, and you know, very quickly, uh, before we pivot back to Brother Terrence to bring on our guest tonight, see, listening to uh, what those nurses are saying goes back to the very beginning of this outbreak when and I had indicated this as well, but many people were pointing out, this uh, virus exposed the lack of a real health care system. You know, see, even now when they talk about hot spots like Texas, the first thing that is said is we don't have any beds. The beds are full. The ICU unit is full. The United States of America does not have a health care system. They have a drug peddling 
system. That's right. And so the majority of people in this country, when they are sick, when they are ill, they are given drugs. There's 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 right. been no investment in in the care of the sick and even less concern for preventive health measures. Even in the UK, the government is telling the the citizens they should take vitamin D3. When have you ever heard any government official in this country offer nutritional guidance of any kind? <laughs> And that's why the that's nurse right. said that it, the, the dissatisfaction, which is 100% now in this country and crosses hmm. all races and nationalities, is due to the lack of proper leadership. Our next, our guest, come on, is going to talk about that because he experienced, he witnessed uh, hateful, incompetent leadership on the local level and it hmm. goes all the way to the top. Yes. And so... It, it's yes, the virus is serious and it's here. But the reason you have medical professionals, health professionals, crying and standing around because what do they say? There's not enough staff. The Wall, even That's the Wall right. Street Journal, the, the bastion of conservatism, they had an expose last Friday on this very subject, and they said the the, the early cases in New York City. And all those deaths were as much the result of negligence and incompetence and inadequate uh, facilities and equipment and staff as it was from the virus itself. Patients were neglected. Mm -hmm. They were left alone to die. Because no one was there to attend to them. So... Yes, the, the virus is serious, but see, in their incompetence, the other thing, Come they're on. blocking natural uh, sources, such as interference That's right. and other That's things right. that could handle this. See, this, this virus could be easily quelled, but now you've Come got on. people around, running around afraid of, of an unseen force that could be quelled. The human body is constructed to, to, with, a, with a, uh, a halfway decent immune system to totally defeat them. And, Come on. and these things that Brother Reuben, Dr. Leem, others are offering, we can't go on television and offer this, but, and I'll close on this point. We'll revisit it after our guest, but there are two countries on the entire planet where Mm. it is legal for pharmaceutical companies, drug dealers, the farm, you talk about a drug cartel, you talk about the Colombian cartel, they are child's play compared to big pharma and compared to this vaccine uh, industry, Mm. which stands a trillion dollars off of this. All right. They, yeah. they want this thing to be out here scaring the people until they get this vaccine ready, which is part of genocide. Mm-hmm. But two countries in the world, it is illegal for, for uh, prescription drugs to be sold directly to the public. Mm-hmm. Everywhere on the earth except New Zealand and the United 
mm-hmm. all day long with commercials telling us about That's things right. we know nothing about. We're not doctors. That's right. We're not pharmacists. Right. Oh, you have a headache? Oh, does your knee hurt? Oh, do you have trouble sleeping at right. night? Well, tell your doctor. You tell the That's doctor. right. To give you this medication. And the, the sales part of it is done on an eighth grade level in regular speed. And when they get mm. down to the side effects, they take the terminology to the college level and they talk so fast. Right. Like oh, That's this right. can kill you. And if you develop three heads, right. <laughs> If you experience a fatal event, call your doctor. Well, if I experience a fatal event, I'm not going to be calling nobody, am I? Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but from from midnight to morning, from morning to dusk, from dusk back to midnight, drugs are being peddled. And so, no, that yeah, you got a million beds in a country with 330 million people. So you dog all right in Texas, we're being overrun. You're not prepared. As you said, you said Come it beautifully. You, with asthma, we can give you something. You, you can go to the drugstore and get an inhaler. You, with, when this right. thing kicks off in your lung, you must have medical help in a professional setting. And then when you get in there, they're still at a loss because the CDC has something different to say every day. That's right. Every day. So you you put all the the responsibility on the citizens and tell them, you wear a mask, you stay in your house under house arrest forever and get sicker from being indoors day and night. That's right. So it's it's a vicious cycle, but... I thank you for that, and, and at least on this platform, giving those sisters a voice. Uh, so we're yes, we're going to go to our guest, and then after that, we're going to go to we're going to hear from uh, Sister Pamela, and of course, Brother Reuben, and and you know, as as he mentioned last week, we want to hear more about the clinical trials um, that that are that are being launched. Uh, but I want to give the uh, Mike back to Terrence because we have a guest and we can't, he's taking time out of an incredibly busy schedule uh, to take time to talk to our listeners. And so, uh, Brother Terrence, I'm turning it back to you. Yes, ma'am. And I, I just want to thank our brother for being on the show and thank him for his patience um, because he just let me know that he actually, and I, I, I greatly appreciate it because you know, he loves the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, loves his work and what he says, and he made time to come on. But he said, you know, he's been rolling since he this YouTube video lit, released, and he's he was blocking out a certain amount of time to spend with his daughter because, you know, he's been gone. And we that are activists yes. know that our families sometimes we are pulled that. from. Yeah. And so is I, I just thank our brother from that for that. But I want to kind of give a backdrop that when um, – the funeral of Alton Sterling was going down. Um, myself, we wanted to go. Uh, the Hip Hop Caucus, um, our, our president and executive director, uh, Reverend Yearwood Liz, and we brought Malik Youssef from Chicago, Vic Mensah from Chicago on the you know, Rock Nation 
brought him to Baton Rouge to be down with us so we can go to the store and go to the funeral. And this brother, um, not knowing me, I'm not knowing him, he made sure, he facilitated us getting good seats in a good position and being able to be in Baton Rouge and, and making sure that everything was uh, good for us as we navigated bringing them in and the clearance that we have because it was a major thing when the funeral for Alton Sterling happened and as we was in the streets. But after the cameras go off, Dr. we know once the cameras go, most of the activists and most of the people go. But this brother, me and him stayed in contact, and I watched him through social media, and he's always still been on the grind. He never stopped. He was doing Facebook Lives talking about injustices in Baton Rouge and across the country, so he's been consistent. So just recently, our brother Gary Chambers Jr. popped up again on YouTube, and now he's been on CNN recently, MSNBC recently, um, and as we're talking about the Karens, the Karens that be calling the police on black folks, well, he just instituted a new Karen called Connie <laughs> at the school board meeting and ran Connie right on up out the school board meeting. So I just want to first just welcome our, our brother Gary uh, to the show. Welcome to the show, brother. So I'm not sure if he's muted. Everybody's quiet now. Thank you for Oh, there can you, you hear me? <laughs> Yeah, we can hear you now. Yes, How y'all doing? Thank you for having me. Oh, no, thank you for coming on. So, everybody, we got a bunch of listeners. We got callers. Our lines always get full. We got folks literally all around the world listening to this show. Can you just give everybody a backdrop so they will know who you are uh, and who is this brother, Gary, that nobody, some people didn't even know who you were when you came out of out of the blue, and then we can go into what happened at the school board meeting. So first of all, let me say um, to the Honorable Louis uh, Farrakhan that uh, I have been listening to him since I was a young man uh, with my father. Uh, he used to come on TV here in Baton Rouge, and my dad hit me to the game at about 13 or 14, and I've been listening ever since um, because when you hear a black man stand up for black folk, it makes the black man and you stand up. Um, mm. And so I have been uh, a supporter from the distance forever. Um, so let me say that first. But secondly, uh, so I, as you said, uh, I've been active in advocating here in Baton Rouge uh, for the last five or six years. Um, this is my hometown. I love this place with everything in me. Um, but I'm, I'm wise enough to be able to see uh, wickedness when I see it. Um, and injustice is wicked, and we see it uh, running through our city every single day, whether it's city parish contracts where black folks make up 56% of the city and we get less than 3% of city parish contracts, uh, whether it is uh, we make up 34% of the state, we get less than 5% of state contracts, um, or if it is uh, Jordan Frazier who was shot in the back uh, by Yusef Amadi, who was a Baton Rouge police officer, shot in the back three times, got his job back, and then a year later shot at a brother named Raheem Howard who was running away. Raheem luckily survived uh, to tell the truth about Yusef Ahmadi, um, and we've gotten that cop removed from the Baton Rouge Police Department, but justice was still denied because our district attorney did not bring him uh, to justice. And so uh, what you see in that video with Tiny Bernard, the school board member, is 
uh, advocacy and activism uh, bubbling up, right, into a moment uh, of conflict that exists. Uh, and the backdrop on Connie Bernard is two years ago, uh, she ran into her neighbor's house. Uh, we believe she may have been intoxicated, uh, but she went into her neighbor's house unannounced where some young people were having a party, choked the young man, used all kind of profanity. I called for her resignation two years ago. She did not resign. She remained on the school board. Uh, and in the, pip- the epitome of white privilege, uh, she then came out and made these statements about uh, Robert E. Lee when we were attempting to begin the conversation about removing Lee High School, at least from the name of Lee High School. Uh, again, she did, she told us to uh, look up his history, uh, that he had actually freed the slaves, but she forgot to tell that he freed them after there was almost a slave revolt from our ancestors. Uh, she forgot to tell that he beat them so bad, and then uh, when their sores were open, that he told them to pour brine into their sores so that he could burn our ancestors. Uh, she forgot to tell uh, that at Gettysburg, 27,000 Confederate soldiers and 23,000 Union soldiers died. There's no more white-on-white crime uh, than the Civil War in America. Uh, and so we learn violence from them, if we're honest. Um, and so what, what you see, I think, is uh, a, a moment of conflict that is the epitome of black folks' relationship with white America, where we stand before our government, call our government to uh, be more just, to be more equitable, to, to hear us and our concerns, and then our government sit and scroll on the Internet while we talk. Uh, specifically, Connie Bernard sits there while his sister, Evelyn Ware Jackson, was expressing her sentiments around Robert E. Lee, and Connie Bernard is sitting right next to her scrolling on the Internet. Mm. That's crazy. I, I want you to um, go a little bit deeper into the the particulars about, because um, it, it was one thing to call out the white lady Connie, but it was also <laughs> – uh, you didn't you didn't give anybody a break. Uh, you no. didn't cut anybody a slack. Uh, and I That's want right. you to really go in, go into that because sometimes we'll go after the other folks, but we want to go after our folks. And specifically, so, when you said eighty percent of Baton Rouge is black, um, you made some very right. key points. So um, I, I think what you so I've got a relationship with most of our government officials, and I would encourage all black people. Uh, to to have in a relationship with the people who represent you and the people who represent uh, the other side of town. Because at the end of the day, they are making decisions with your tax dollars and your resources, um, and so you should be engaged with that. And so what you saw is once Connie walked out the room, well, there's still a board there that has to make a decision about the name of Lee High School, and we got to get the business clear with them. Um, I think you heard me talk first to super the school board uh, president, which is Mike Goday, um, who had offered a substitute resolution uh, to that which Brother Darius Landis had brought to rename the school, which would have prolonged it for about an extra three months, right? Um, And so we said, no, we're not going to have a substitute resolution. Uh, We want you to vote on this tonight, and we want you to stick with the original motion, and we need to change the name of the school now. Uh, um, Further context is four years ago, a group of us went before that body, uh, Cleve Dunn, uh, uh, Geno McLaughlin, Eugene Collins, Daniel Bangel, other folks here in Baton Rouge, because I never wanted to be misconstrued that I'm the only voice in Baton Rouge that has been standing up uh, to the government. There are black men and women in this community 
that has stood up. But uh, I dealt with Mike Goday about his resolution. I dealt with the school board superintendent, Mr. Drake, when you hear me say, uh, Mr. Drake, they say you're a good man. Warren Drake is the school board superintendent. He had been silent on the Lehigh name change. Uh, that night he spoke and said that it was time. After uh, he was challenged by the public, he said that it was time to change the name. Um, and then you saw me go uh, to the rest of the board, the black members included, ask them to stand in solidarity. To my disappointment, they did not. And I had to call out uh, one of our sisters, Don Collins, that night as well, uh, because she voted for a white woman to become the superintendent of East Baton Rouge Parish School System, it is not just an insult that she is a white woman to come and lead a school district that is 81% black, but that she was chosen over a black woman with a PhD uh, that went to Vanderbilt and Duke, uh, who had formerly been number two for the state of Tennessee in education and number two for the uh, county of Harris County in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And she was overqualified for the job, but did not get the job because a sister uh, did not vote for her. And so I don't believe in giving any public official pass, male, female, uh, black or white, whatever. They represent us, and we should hold them accountable. And the way we hold them accountable is knowing the data. In God we trust, everybody else bring data. Um, knowing the data, knowing the people, and, and speaking our truth with the data directly to the people in power. Mm. So I want to um, jump one last question before I put Dr. Uh, Ava in here. Um, so, you know, you've been doing this in Baton Rouge, and what was it like to be on MSNBC or uh, CNN and the questioning and, and the line of questioning that they ask you, and, you know, where do we go from here? So I'm, I'm looking at, you know, you've been doing this, you know, then you got this major uh, platform to speak, you know, where – you know, with this platform, how was that, and then where you want to where you want to move on next? So, you know, for me, uh, I, I'm committed to this work for the liberation of our people until we all until we all free. Ain't none of us free. Um, and and the platform really has just given the opportunity to talk to more people, uh, including our white brothers and sisters uh, that that do not have. Uh, this knowledge that sometimes needs to be informed, and if they are informed, they may govern themselves in a different way. Um, and so I'm appreciative of the opportunity to have this platform, um, but more so uh, focused on the work ahead. I believe that it is important to go around uh, and begin to teach our people civic engagement. Uh, I think that we need a new generation of black leadership, people who are rooted in blackness first. Uh, I am unapologetically black. I tell folks because America built a system of white supremacy, uh, that America thought white first, so it is, in, it is incumbent upon me to think black first because otherwise we would not be considered. Um, and so when I step into a conversation with the government, I think about myself, my family, my community, my people, before I think about anybody else uh, with how I govern myself in those decisions. And I want to begin to have those conversations all over the deep south and all over the country uh, so that we can be more informed and, and prepared when we step up to go into a council meeting, a state legislature, a school board meeting, or any of that, uh, because when we show up, stuff does change, but we got to show up to make things change. You know, uh, you know brother, brother uh, Gary, this is uh, Sister Ava. I saw you on uh, MSNBC. I thought it was excellent, and uh, your uh, communication skills are, are wonderful. And the fact that you told uh, the uh, two co-hosts there 
um, that I, I think that what what you said is is very significant. That it's really that what they saw in the video of you challenging this Caucasian female, who was in fact you know not only uh, opposed to removing. Uh, this name, Robert E. Lee, which clearly stands for the enslavement of a people and the horrific treatment of a people for four centuries, that not only was this person not in favor of the change, but as you pointed out, shopping, she was on the shopping network. And later when she was interviewed and she denied it because she knew it really represents a dereliction of duty, as you told her. You told her to walk out and resign and don't come back <laughs> because you're the example. He told her that, and I think everyone should go and, and look and, and see that, that clip to see a young black man telling this white female who really, as he told her, she had no business in that seat. This is like a microcosm or the quintessence of where we are right now. And, you know, those of us, some of us may think uh, that the tearing down and the removal of these symbols of racism and hatred uh, doesn't mean anything, but it means a lot. In fact, it's essential It's essential to a change because if a new world is coming in, the old world has to go out. And the first thing you have to change is the thinking. And as Minister Farrakhan has said, culture is the outgrowth of the thinking of a people at a particular time in history. And at the time these statues and these monuments went up, the thinking of white America was that we are a grossly inferior people and those who fought to keep us in chains were heroes. And so this is why you see so many white people out here tearing them down because if you leave them up, you're telling the world this is where you still are. And the reality is this is where your president is right now, but the the valuable thing about Trump being the president is it's bringing all of this to the surface. But I I thought that uh, what you said on Morning Joe and the way you handled the interview was phenomenal. So I really thank you, thank you so uh, for being out here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I would like well, to say when you brought up you brought up the monument, um, it's important to, to, to give the clarity of when the, most of these monuments were put up to. So the Civil War ends in the 1800s, but the majority of these Confederate right. monuments go up after Jim Crow during desegregation as a response right. to, to black people beginning to rise up and say, we're going we're gonna to have more in this country. And so as we began to demand uh, to be to have uh, fairness in the education system, to have civil rights, to have voting rights, they began to to, to feel intimidated by the the little bit of liberation we were getting. 
so much so that they would That's name right. entire streets and, and raise up these monuments. And so we cannot pretend that this was done by accident, like it was just done no. to memorialize people. It was done as an intimidation method to scare us back into uh, uh, the, the, the bowels of what racism is to, to make us not stand up to this government. And for some people, that did work. Thankfully for us, there were enough of us willing to fight on regardless. Yes, in, mm. in, in some, among some of us, it fueled the rage. But I'm glad you brought that out to specify that this was actually pushback against civil rights. Yes, it was. And similar to the burning of, of the black community in Tulsa, the, the, we had 65 cities and towns uh, that, were, that, that black people built from the ground during Reconstruction. And imagine coming straight out of off the plantation, uh, no, no therapy, okay, no post-traumatic stress syndrome therapy, nothing but the clothes, the raggedy clothes on your back. And yet because we know how to build, we built America. We made America the military might and the financial power that she is. And as, as you're saying, Brother Gary, that is real critical, and it needs to be uh, made in, in, as we begin to write and create our own libraries and teach our children the truth. That also um, has to be a part of it, that th- these are symbols of, of domestic terrorism, intimidation and it's a statement that we love these men and we wish that it was that way today yeah. and that's what Don, that's why Donald Trump is drawing so many of them in these rallies they want to return to this time they just uh fired some cops i forgot what city it was in but it was in the news today in some city some police officers were fired for statements that they made, uh, cursing, the, uh, we should have put them back in effing slavery and get rid of all of them. If we think that their thinking has changed one iota uh, from the time we were brought here in slavery, then we're fooling ourselves. So thank you uh, so much for that. Thank you, sister. Thank you. And yes, I know we're going to wrap it up, and I know you're going to have you know your word, last words. I just wanted to echo what both of you just said that the statues, you know, is not just a statement of history, but it's a statement, like you said, of intimidation. And most folks don't know that they just say, "Oh no, this is honorable monuments." No, that's a statue of intimidation. And we want to make sure that you learn and remember the legacy of you being lesser than us. But I think the other good part that you also said is not to not just not honor somebody, but you gave a list of people that they could honor. Um, And that's the other side of that. There was some history of people that we can put in place of that that most folks didn't even recognize, that you rolled that off. And I think that speaks speaks to what Dr. Ava said, is that you're not just some black man that just came in there crazy, that you actually knew exactly what you were saying. And when you even called Connie and said, you shopping, I love how how whoever did the video (laughs) showed her literally online. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no! What? Because I know they lie. I know they lie, and so 
you know, I've dealt with yeah, you Kanye got that, in the you past. Yeah, you collected evidence. <laughs> and, and I can't, because I know you're going to come out here and lie. So I got to have proof so that you can't lie so that it's indisputable. That's right. <laughs> but no, that but that was that's the, that was the point. But the way you did it and showed the video where what you talking about, she was actually doing, and then bring the facts. And I, I think, um, I, I just guess I guess I want to close. You know, we want to thank you for coming on, but close on the point of, you know, what advice would you want to give people that, like you said, you ain't been in this for twenty, thirty years. You know, you just been in. But what advice would you give people? in fighting in this work. And one of the things I would just leave with is that making sure you got your information correct and everything that you laid out was right and exact where nobody could really come back with you. If they did try to come back, you had enough stuff to combat them with. So I want to, I'm going to answer the question, but I definitely got to say the names PBS Pinchback and Oscar Dunn and tell all of your listeners to go look up these two black brothers from the 1800s who were elected, PBS Pinchback was the president of Louisiana State Senate. He then became the lieutenant governor of the state of Louisiana because Oscar Dunn passed away. And then because the governor of Louisiana was removed, he became the governor and was the governor of Louisiana for six weeks, uh, for a six or eight week period um, in the 1800s during Reconstruction. Um, They don't tell us about these men because if you educate us about what we did you know, literally right out of slavery, it would just raise up something in us to to go out there and fight like hell to take power uh, so that we could change things for our people. And so it's not just that they honored their people, they tried to whitewash our people away so that we would not know what we come from to recognize where we can go. That's number one. Number two, when you talk about what can we do, uh, for me, what I have learned is to be consistent and to be disciplined. Um, to be consistent in showing up, to be consistent in loving your people. I heard Louis, uh, the minister Farrakhan say, uh, if you're going to do this work, you got to love black people. Um, That's right. And if you are going to do any type of advocacy, uh, you have to love black people, um, the good ones and the bad ones, um, because all of us are not there. Uh, we we right. do all wake up, but we don't all wake up at the same time. Um, and so... Uh, For those of us who are still asleep to the reality of the horror that we have dealt with in America, uh, I think we still have to love them and extend them grace. We don't have to uh, be foolish around them. Uh, But I do think that we have to love each other. We have to be consistent in the work that we do, and we have to be disciplined uh, because there will be attacks. There will be things that come at us. um, And if you don't have discipline, uh, then you cannot be an example for our people and we need, we need men and women who will be examples for the next generation. They are showing up and standing up in the streets of America and doing the dirty work of change. And so we got to support them. But as we support them, we got to show them an example of leadership before them that they can follow and fight for our liberation as well. So I thank you all truly. Uh, when you reached out to me and asked me to do this, it was a, it was a yes the minute I read the text message uh, because I love you all. Uh, and everything that you represent for our people, uh, and please continue to do uh, good and seek justice as always. Thank you, Bilal. No. You do the same, and may Allah God continue to bless you. you we're, we're proud of you. you. You really make us proud, and uh, don't forget this name, listeners, Brother Gary Chambers, East Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 
an activist who is genuine, and we're we're going to watch him evolve. Remember that name, because you're going to see it. But thank you so much. Thank y'all. Bless him. Assalamualaikum. All right. Beautiful, beautiful well. brother. Thank you, brother Terrence, for inviting oh, no. him. Uh, no, thank you, yeah. Dr. David. I had to. Once I saw him, yeah. I was like, hold up. I kept getting the inbox <laughs> video, but I said, I ain't open that attachment. I don't know what that is. And when I finally looked, and said, oh, that's Gary. <laughs> I knew I had to just get him on the show, especially of CNN and everybody else. We need to have him on our show. Yeah, because I think within a couple of days after you sending me the YouTube clip of the of the actual event, I – because uh, I watch uh, Morning Joe quite mm-hmm. regularly on MSNBC, and they said, uh, coming up next, <laughs> you know, and this is a local activist in Baton Rouge, you know, takes on, I forgot the heading they gave it, but mm-hmm. what, what attracted the media, the, the uh, national media to this was his strength and how succinctly and clearly he just took it to her as well as all of them that you pointed out, not only the white woman, but the brothers, everybody on that board of education. He, he, he really, in, in, in the true style of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, you know, he hurled right. truth at falsehood and knocked out his brains. So uh, let's see. I don't think um, Brother Reuben had come back, but I think he, he dropped again. Uh, but we definitely wanted to hear from our sister attorney, uh, legal contributor, and then from there we will uh, we'll just play it by ear and we'll go to the phones. We do have, naturally, a full board. You can't even call in at this point. Uh, so if people are saying they can't get on, tell them to log in at blogtalkradio.com forward slash elevated places. So right now we're going to go to, because in a, just as Sister Mariam has kept busy, because as a health contributor in this time, in the COVID era, uh, so are the legal issues uh, equally intense uh, and pervasive. So we have our attorney, Sister Pamela Muhammad. As-salamu alaykum, beloved. Wa alaykum salam, uh, Sister Dr. Ava and Brother Terrence. And Sister Ava, all praises due to Allah. Thank you so much for your kind words uh, regarding this fight and this legal arena that we're living in. I wanted to add, um, I just wanted to say that I think that uh, is North Carolina. You were referring to the three cops that were fired uh, because of the racist and threatening comments that were caught. Yes, ma'am. I believe it was North Carolina. Yes. And uh, <laughs> yes, that was. Yes, ma'am. Just wicked, wicked, wicked. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to start off by talking about uh, our brother who was murdered, Ahmad Arbery. And as you uh, know, that he was chased and shot down while jogging. And as you mentioned, I believe that the three people were indicted. The three uh, suspects were indicted, um, and they have nine counts, Dr. Ava. There are four counts of felony murder, two counts of aggregated assault, one false imprisonment, one criminal attempt to commit false imprisonment, imprisonment. And those are for the Gregory Michael and his, and his son. You know, it's just sick. 
and their neighbors. So they were indicted by a Georgia grand jury um, for the murder of our brother Ahmad Aubrey. And then I wanted to go into uh, really quick, um, as I was listening to you all speaking, it really brought up this topic of defunding the police and how that's such a hot topic right now because they've got these huge budgets. I believe the New York budget is a budget of um, – I think it is a, let's see, I have it written down. The budget in New York's police operating budget is $5.6 billion. And in Los Angeles, they're talking about removing about $150 million from this police budget. But as we know, you know, we're paying people to kill us, to murder us. Uh, The lethal force, I finally found the fatality rate among black people um, as we're encountering these police, it's at 2.8 times higher than among whites. And this is even though they, you know, we're more majority of victims of legal force might be white, but when it comes to blacks, we're 2.8 times uh, more likely to end up dead than they are. And the criminalization, I think, you know, is at the root of why we're seeing these vigilantes feel so comfortable in killing and just shooting down black men because of the attitudes that have been generated as a result of our tax dollars uh, being used to fund these police departments. So everybody's talking about reallocating funds. They're talking about reinvesting and actually shrinking the scope of police responsibility. And that's something that I, I think that really goes along with us making our own communities decent and safe places to live because really they we're saying reducing their responsibility, but what we're really doing is putting them out of our business. We're eliminating their control. We're reducing their dominion. We're trying to decrease some of this authority that they have in our community that's ending up in us being murdered and made into chattel slavery and put into these prison industrial complexes. So as the brother said, yeah, there's a increased responsibility that's going to come along with uh, them getting out of our, our, our communities, killing us, using our taxpayers' money to do it. But as the people are saying, you know, we need safe we need safety. We need they, they want mental health care. They want job investments. They want this money to be reallocated and reinvested. This is what we want to make our communities decent and safe places to live. That's what the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan has been talking about now for for years. And so to see the momentum of the community um, now really fighting back and saying we're tired of these hired killers, you know, just shooting us down and not causing any kind of real crime reduction. So in in closing, I, I just wanted to bring to mind, you know, with this criminalization, here's an example. They they were talking about how police and their responsibility, they're in the schools. You know, they're supposed to, they, they've just overstepped their bounds, and it's not really helping because the stats are telling us that black children are suffering from PTSD symptoms in these schools, in our communities, because we're being surveilled you know, because we're being um, just really just uh, accosted, you know, by people like uh, that woman that the young man had to, you know, make her leave because these people really aren't helping us. So 
So I, I just see this whole defund movement, Sister Ava, being what we've been calling for, um, that we can make our own community safer. We can help our own children. We can service the needs of our people. Um, and so it, it's just so exciting um, to see these type of calls coming out during this time. So that's what I wanted to, to offer. And um, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Thank you, beloved. Walaikum salam. I got a uh, text from uh, our producer, Sister Rona, and uh, she said that the three police officers, they were from Wilmington, North Carolina, and they were fired today. Yeah, that's your stomping ground close to you, Brother Terrence. James (laughs) Gilmore, 48 years old, uh, Corporal Jesse D. Moore. The second, 50 years old, and Michael K. Heiner, 44 years old. But they were they were uttering uh, just the, uh, uh, that we should just be erased from yeah. the earth. Take us out. See, they were going to take and, us and out. This is what, the, yeah, that's what so many house servants uh, don't get. And right. as days as each day passes. We all will see how not only reasonable and rational point number four of what the Muslims want is, but you will see the supreme wisdom in it. It is not hate. It is the epitome of logic, and it is the only way we're going to achieve peace. Uh, so That's right. they're gonna they're they're gonna keep reporting this every day because it happens every day. That's right. And so, and that go ahead. Uh, no, no, I I, w- I wanted to jump in. It was a couple. It was two things I forgot. We didn't mention the um, <laughs> the rally that Trump did in Tulsa, where he barely got a lot of posts in there. But it's also interesting that we still have black people dancing and celebrating that they was at a Trump rally. And I'm like, Juneteenth weekend, and y'all at a Trump rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma? I'm like, we really done lost our damn mind. Where we was blown up as a people during the Juneteenth weekend, black people still following Trump. But, um... That was crazy, but the defunding thing, though, I, I also want to make sure that people understood when we say defunding police, it is taking away resources and put them into community organizations, put them into uh, mental health for our community, put them in uh, educational programs, put them into an economic program for outside of the community. So when people are thinking, like, we're just going to, well, what, we ain't going to be secure, we ain't going to have people to secure, it's a process. When we talk about defunding, they want to fund other organizations that will help facilitate what we need to be secure and make our place peaceful. And I don't think that sometimes people understand that a lot of crime happens because of poverty because people are not making a living wage and they're barely making it. So if we improve the economy, you can improve that. If you can improve the proper education in the communities and give resources to that, you can improve. So when we're talking about defunding the, the police, it's not about leaving our communities unsecure, but it is about redirecting funds with to things that are necessary versus giving billions and billions of dollars to a police force to kill us and not to educate us and get us our own condition. And and it, it's really 
uh, as Sister Attorney just pointed out, they, they are currently overfunded. Right. They're overfunded. That's right. Because it, what, and this is feeding the violence on their part. That's right. It's actually enabling them. It's enabling them. So um, we're gonna we're gonna go. Um, I'm sorry, can you hear me? Yes, I can now. I'll give it a call your name. Okay. Oh, all right. <laughs> okay, Ken, uh, we're going to start with uh, our callers as the time is yes, quickly ma'am. passing. And let's go to Brother Daryl. Hi, Salam Alaikum, family. How are you doing? Well, I'm not going to stay long because I'm looking forward to hearing from Brother Ruben. Um, just as you were speaking, about the uh, Tusker, uh, what they burned down, 57 uh, black business. Uh, you remember at the time that uh, when this, uh, I think he was a psychiatrist or a doctor or something from Iran, Iraq, somewhere from over there, but he's working in America as one of the doctors when the soldiers come in and they go through that uh, test that they have to go, and he was telling what all he did and how they was raping the uh, Muslim women over there. And he couldn't take him inside a shoot and killed him. That's what's getting ready to happen when the minister said about what our people in the military. And you could believe all of this killing is touching some of our family that's in the military. That that's their blood, loved ones. And it's going to be just like that where they're going to start turning on them in there because we here fighting and you killing our people. You know, so it's getting ready to be a bloodbath. Uh, because our people are tired, just like um, my brother just called me. I was on the radio a couple of days ago. I think it was a Sam show. I've been getting on a film, and it's like three seconds or three minutes or something left. And uh, they were talking about the loop on uh, in one of the NASCAR drivers and about what all going on, what we need to do. And I just got on and said, I know my time is running out. I said, you know, best thing for us to do, don't even worry about it. We have Sister A, but she's been doing town hall meetings. And I said, are you familiar with the million man monster? He said, oh, yeah, I was there. Yeah, 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 I was there. And I said, okay, here's a brother come on before I got on. He said, I've been in the military, and I've been taught well. He said, I'm tired of just killing our people. I know what to do, how to kill them. And the brother that was hosting the show was so strong, then all of a sudden he got like a punk. Oh, no, 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 no. He said, well, brother, we got to kill to keep them from killing us. And he just went on and on. But the brother called in from Detroit and said, I heard you on that, brother. He said, that was one of the powerful things you said when you mentioned the minister is going to be speaking uh, July 4th. But we have to understand the sister that got uh, beat down and pregnant and lost her baby. We had always have an ignorant person on the radio. She said, well, she should have let him know she was pregnant. But they had nothing to do with it. If she was disturbed and she was trying to get her baby, from her mother, and the sister stepped in and said, no, we have custody of it. You had no right to hit her in the mouth, knock her teeth out, taser her, and beat her down. So here's another act that came a few days ago where his brother was being beat by three or four police. I don't know if you heard about it. And he was blessed to get away. And when he got to his car, he shot all four of them, you know, and jumped in his car and left. I haven't heard anything else about it. But this stuff is getting worse and worse and worse. And just heard one just of before course. I got on the show that a sister 
was choked to death in a nursing home by a guard, a black elderly. So this thing is, is out cold. It's getting crazy. And I pray that uh, we, you know, get a chance to make sure we get the word out that the minister going to be speaking, everybody I've been running to on phone and everything. I've been telling them so we can be ready for our marching orders because we got to separate quick because this virus is now, they said, it's slowing down airplanes, flights and stuff again. It's getting worse. Our children out there by the thousand with no masks on. It's crazy. So I thank Allah for your show. May he continue to bless you in the nation of Islam. I salamu alaykum. Wa alaykum salam. All right. Okay, we're going to... Let me scroll scroll this down. We're going to go to Brother Kevin, who has a comment out of Atlanta. Assalamu alaikum. Yes. Brother Kevin. Wa alaikum salam. Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. So, Dave, I just want to report to you what's going on in Atlanta. Uh, all yes, week sir. They've been on the news, they've been talking about the uh, Wendy's where the uh, brother was murdered and um you know some white woman burned it down but the news has been reporting that the young there's been a bunch of young brothers occupying that corner and they are armed and they are intelligent and they said we're here to protect our yes, community sir. they said the police don't do yes, it sir. and we're here to do it and they don't let just anybody through <laughs> certain white people have not been able to get yes, through sir. So I went over there yes, yesterday sir. to see what it was what it was like. And Sister Ava, you're not gonna believe this. <laughs> Somebody has spray painted on the Wendy's. It says God is the OF. <laughs> One of the young people they're listening. So they yes, they took sir. our message they say God is the OF. It's spray painted in letters on the Wendy's and they've occupied that corner. So they have it locked down, you know, and that's the work, you know, that, that we're proud of them. It is. But, uh, of course, the news is trying to spin it, saying that they're violent and they're occupying the, the corner. But, uh, no, the young people, they're they, they taking charge, and we support them. So that's, that's my comment. <laughs> oh, I, I appreciate that because I hadn't heard uh, the latest – uh, of the developments uh, in Atlanta, um, and I'm absolutely um, happy in truth to hear that, because sooner or later the black man has to rise to protect his community, and and it's just uh, expected that we would get accused of being violent. What else are we supposed to do? When we're being slaughtered When a young man is murdered Because he fell asleep in his car You know we we don't want to lose sight Of the whole string Of dead black people That have come to the national media Since 2012 Every last one of them Was engaged in Innocent acts of normal daily life not a single one was escaping a felony. Not one. Not one had committed an act of violence on anybody. And so they're saying we, we've had enough. And 
I was just uh, reading in the study guide assignment we went over last week where the minister said, if law is not administered equitably and with fairness, it produces rebellion. It produces rebellion. And so sooner or later, uh, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, Allah will make you separate. But thank you, uh, thank you for reporting in for us, Brother Kevin. That's deeply appreciated. All right, we have uh, Sister Peggy, who has a comment. Assalamu alaikum, Sister Peggy. Can you hear us? Okay, we'll we'll go on and, and oh okay. Are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Okay, we couldn't hear anything. Okay, now we I'm can. Sorry. Okay, I'm sure that Sister Miriam will be able to appreciate this. And uh, but first, I need to pre- uh, preface it. I've been told that the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that when you look at the face of a black man, that you can that you look at God. And I'm paraphrasing. Well. I, yes, when you look at a black man, you're looking at God. That's correct. Okay. That's what he so, said. So sister, we, we have a sister in our mosque who is a nurse, a first-line nurse in taking care of COVID-19 patients. And she said that many times her face is the last one that any of her patients see before they die because they're not allowed to see their relatives. So depending upon yes, who they are, even oh, if wow. but many times they're, I'm sure they're white, and I've taken care of a lot of white people on their way out. And and it's no telling. They might be kind of nice to you then, but I can imagine what they were like when they were younger. They just are not strong enough to be as mean. So when they die, in a way they're kind of lucky because they get to see the face of God on their way out. And that's yes, what I told them. When you think about it, even as mean and hateful as some of them have been, they get to see the face of God when they're about to die. And the second thing yes, I have ma'am. to say is, the second thing I have to say is, when I was in high school, I took a class called Art History. And in Art History, I, we learned about the different artists, and one was Picasso. And you remember, if you had Art History or knew anything about this, that Picasso did a painting called Guernica. And it was in 1937, and it was about the it was about the Spanish Civil War, or a piece of the Spanish Civil War where Franco allowed the Nazis to bomb a Basque city called Guernica, and they were and in those classes they told us that that was the first time that men that people had experienced aerial bombing. I wish I had known about Oklahoma Wall Street when I was in high school. <laughs> they would have gotten an ear. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. And that's all I have to say. As-salamu alaykum. Mm-hmm. alaykum salam. Yeah, we, we appreciate that uh, very much, Sister Peggy. All right, we, we're blessed to have our sister, 
Donna Muhammad, Sister Donna out of oh. Memphis, Tennessee, the one and uh-huh. only. Um, that one. I saw him Sister Donna. <laughs> praise be to Allah. Forever and I ever. Just had, I have a question, but I wanted to just briefly comment to Brother T.C. Terrence. Uh-oh. Is, <laughs> Here we go. Comment. I just wanted to say you did a marvelous job on Mind and Money Matters this past week with Brother Jahan. You represented well, and I know I had jokes on there, but I really appreciate what you do, uh, as well as the service that you aid uh, Minister Ava with, Minister Farrakhan, but our people in general, and and for people to really get to know what you actually do. And I do know what you do for me. <laughs> Praise. <laughs> I'm Tommy from Martin. <laughs> Tommy. Um, but my question to, and this is to the whole scope of the panel, Um. What are, as we are talking about defunding police departments and as we've been taught um, in the Nation of Islam to make our communities a decent place to live, what are some real-time practical solutions that you could offer to a lot of our neighborhoods are, are broken. We don't talk to each other. We don't communicate. We don't have that sense. But as these things are unfolding, what are some solutions that you could give to people to implement right now, right where they are? Notwithstanding a defunding of a budget or anything else, um, but right where we are in protecting and making our communities a decent place to live and bringing those neighborhoods together. Mm, excellent. Can I Panel? Oh. Well, you know, I think one of the oh. simple things, this, yes, Sister Pamela, I just wanted to say, um, with the Coalition for the Preservation of the Black Family, that was a small organization that we worked with for child welfare support, to support poor women uh, because a lot of times neglect is a, is a result of poverty. So, you know, you, we're first line in these communities. We see our children maybe a little hungry. You know, we see some of these mothers who might be overwhelmed we see some of the children who need a little bit more supervision because these are our communities. So instead of waiting for somebody else to come, like a police or a truancy officer or a child welfare person, we can actually work to to strengthen those family units so they don't result in uh, police involvement or, you know, uh, juvenile delinquency and, and other problems. So that's that's just my, my thought on it. Yeah. You know, so, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Brother Terry. <laughs> no, go ahead, Sister Mario. I wait. No, I, I was just gonna say that um, Allah has blessed me to work in the community for years, and what I've seen in regards to us policing our own community is when we go in with our hearts, when we give our people what they need, and they see that we're real, and that we're not liars they begin to replicate what they see in us. So I've been on the streets with Mothers Against Senseless Killing, standing on blocks with young men who were looked at as drug dealers, gang members, and who began to protect us on the block. And not from riffraff coming over, but from the police 
who began to threaten us, they didn't want us on the block because there was no more violence as long as our presence was there. So it's being courageous. It's following the instructions of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and the honorable minister of Farrakhan. Go into your community and make the difference. Allah will bless you with what you need to say. He will bless you with the spirit that they need to see. So many young people have said to me, I don't know who Farrakhan is, but if you're telling me that man made you who you are, I want to meet him. I want to become what I see in you. So if we just take that step, Allah definitely, definitely will bless us and remove the fear and the level of judgment that sometimes go through our minds when we see our people in the condition that they're in. Don't judge them. Just reach your hand out to get them the same way Allah reaches his hand out to get us. So I, that, I would definitely add to it because that's a passion of mine. I love going into the community. I love working with women and girls. I love to see the smile on their face. It's addictive when you can turn a frown into a smile with the permission of Allah. You just have to be real and you have to be genuine because they're tired of being lied to. They're tired of their trust being taken away. So just, just have love and be real. And all of that, I I um, concur. And let me go a little bit deeper. The first thing I would say, you know, we really have to redefine what is community because we say community all the time, and we really don't know what that is. Um, so we just say the black community or community. One of the process that we have to reclaim is our own neighborhoods. Um, do we even know our own neighborhood? So we talk about history with black folks. So if we knew everybody in the neighborhood. First is getting to know your neighbors, like literally the FOI, we are taught to go door-to-door so we can make relationships in the communities that we're working in. So you have to build that relationship, and that's work, and that takes time to be in those communities where people will know you. It was a particular situation, I think it was yesterday, where I went to buy the mosque just to check on the mosque since we're not at the mosque anymore. And I rolled up, and two brothers saw me. and said, who that? Who, who that? That police? And I get out the car, Class C, I mean, regular clothes. He said, oh, Assalamu alaikum. I gave him the greetings, and I was near a back door, and I started walking to the front door, and there was some brothers say, you, you selling weed? You know, talking to another dude in the car, and when they saw me approaching, like, hey, psh, quiet, 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 everybody started scattering. Now, it was nothing that I was carrying. It. It's not like this brother tearing this big brother walking down the block, but they had enough respect of who we were and what we represented to clean up, to move out. But that's because we was in place, been there, built a relationship that they respected and honored where we were. So the work is that we have to reclaim the community, where we have to, when we say make our community a decent place and safe place to live, then we got to actually clean up our community. When Brother Sharif went down to Atlanta in the bluff, he started to paint houses to clean up the community, to make it even look worthy to be in, know your neighbors, provide the resources, and then there's multiple layers to this where you want to know who are the political people in power to see what kind of resources that you can bring into the community. Do a needs assessment in the community, what kind of food, what kind of clothing, what kind of child services they need, and where do you go to get them. 
and if they're not getting what they need, then you start holding people accountable that are in offices that are the gatekeepers to the resources and make sure you open the gate so those resources can flood into the community while you establish in relationships. Because once you go talk door-to-door, you will discover all of the issues that are plaguing your community and our community, and then you will know where to start or who to talk to make sure that you can get those things done. And while we're waiting on the the quote-unquote city or government resources, then we collectively pool our resources together to get what our community needs to make that happen. As Brother Sharif did one time, he said he just asked him, could we paint the house? And we didn't ask for no money. We bought the paint and went and painted the house. Um, So those are the kinds of things we got to do. Well, well said. <laughs> the panel came through. And thank you all. That was a, a great question and great answers. Love, love and get out there and do it. Mm-hmm. That's what time it is. We have to get out there and do it. Okay. So thank you uh, so much, Sister Donna. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, appreciate that. And, of course, Sister Donna is a writer and reporter, journalist for the Final Call newspaper. Um, she uh, handles my online bookstore at ministerava.com, which I'm, that's my way of saying visit us, please, ministerava.com. And um, <laughs> she's also a, a key person on the team for Project Separation as well, which uh, we're going to shortly resume the town hall meetings and quickly um, bring those to a head. So, (coughs) pardon me, I'm going to go, sorry, something went in my throat. I have Brother John. Salam alaikum. Okay, make sure you hear. Yes, uh, Great show tonight. That was great bringing Gary Chambers on there, uh, Terrence. Appreciate it. But Lewis, how Black Carter Party has done a lot of work with him in Baton Rouge. That was great to, to have him on. That was really good move, brother. Good move. I uh, just wanted to point out a couple of things. One of the things uh, is this uh, thing that's in Houston is COVID. I talked to a couple of doctors in the medical center, and they were saying that uh, they expected this thing in Houston to jump off in March but it's just happening now, and they're getting ready to convert the children's hospital, Texas Children, where I have to work at. They're getting ready to start, start accepting adults. They've never done that ever. The, uh, and the, the second thing was these uh, white folks that don't want to wear, wear masks, a lot of us don't really understand why they don't want to wear masks. They don't want to wear masks because you can't carry a concealed weapon with a mask on. So most of the states now... Are, are in session. They're trying to to uh, change that, give a temporary stay on that, to allow people to carry to be able to carry concealed weapons while wearing a mask. But it's against the law to carry a, a weapon. So, you know, I don't know if most people realize, but when all this stuff happens, they start buying more guns, more ammo. Same way when Barack Obama got it, became the president. I mean, you couldn't even find guns and ammo, especially if you check back two months ago. You couldn't find guns and ammo anywhere in America. It was they, everything was bought out. So with this, so we we thinking one thing, they're thinking no. I want my gun on me. 
And if I got this mask on, I can't carry my gun and be legal to shoot anybody. That's what they and, and the anybody right. is black people. That's really what they're thinking. And we don't think like that at all. So that that that's something that we really have to pay attention to. Why white people are doing certain things, and and of course it's because you know they're white people. But trust me, they got it. It's built in for them to act the way they want to act. And that and the other part was I just wanted to mention was that. You mentioned about the three guys, the three police officers, but did you really hear what they said, what they wanted to do? They actually said that they, uh, and I quote, we want to get them off the effing map. We want to start a race war and start just shooting and killing them. Then when they actually, Mm -hmm. they they fired them, they they stood up and said, oh, it was just because of the pressure of the job. That's, That's the reason why we said it. And one of them said, "Oh God, I wish. I, oh God, I just wish I could do it." I mean, it's all quoted. As, they have it quoted, but to, to turn around and say that I didn't, that it was just a pressure of the job. That's why I was saying it, and you taped, and they were laughing at it. This is this is crazy. So I just wanted to point that out. Thank you, Sister Ava. Appreciate all the hard work you do for us. We love you, and, uh, yes, and, and appreciate your entire staff. Salam alaikum. Oh, appreciate you. Walaikum salam. And, and I just do want to point out, though, that in, in one of these days I'm going to have a program on it. Uh, this issue of the mask, it does have two sides from a health point of view as well. That uh, a lot of people don't want to wear a mask because they want to be able to breathe normally. Yes. As As well. Because we we were not born to be wrapped up in a, in a mask for the rest of our lives. It's one thing during a, a, a emergency time and at the early stages of this, but what we're suffering from now, as I said repeatedly, is the incompetence of the U.S. government to handle this. And then, secondly, which we'll get into on a program. All roads lead to the vaccination that Bill Gates, Anthony Fauci, and and others uh, are itching to inject in us. And as the minister uh, addressed in the time of what must be done, the culling, the reduction of the black population. And so sometimes you have... And I agree with Brother John. You have, you have, you may have the same position for a different motive, and uh, that is something that probably a lot of us weren't thinking about. And that is, uh, above all, white people want to carry their weapons and they want to openly carry them to continually uh, intimidate us. But uh, the the issue of of the mask is is very uh, hot. It's a hot issue. Uh, because it is not comfortable. If you're a normal person, you're you, you're not comfortable in that for a long period of time because it is impeding the normal activity of the organism, which is inhaling and exhaling. And so you you and you have a, a large measure of contradiction from the same sources. Fauci has contradicted himself. The CDC has contradicted itself. Uh, the World Health Organization uh, had taken a position of of not needing to wear them. And then when Bill Gates 
dropped uh, some money on them. They reversed that. But we'll we'll go into all the research. That's um, right. And I want to have some. I want to have some guests on. I'm I'm just saying there are two sides to every every That's issue right. uh, in in the handling of COVID. We're we're universally in agreement that COVID nineteen is nothing to play with. All right, that's right. that's uh, agreed upon. But the posture that's being taken in this country and and the uh, making of America into a police state, you have to be, you have to watch too when your constitutional rights are being violated uh, because it can lead to that day. You know, okay, you, you'll do this, you'll do that. Now we're going to have you line up and get this vaccine, okay? And you agree, you agree to everything else, so your mind gets into this uh, uh, submission mode. And that's right. Uh, when, when it's time for you to think something through, then you may not be able to do it effectively. But certainly, there, there's a, there's a usefulness there. But it's just a matter of avoiding the extremes. That's right. Um, and of course, and uh, it? The, go ahead. No, go ahead. Yes, Finish your... No, I was. Well, just... I was going to say, you know, uh, avoiding these crowds at right. this time is very important. That's very important. That's right. But That's I don't right. know. I don't know if people remember, but there was a time when we were taught. Uh, not to cough and sneeze into the open air, period, mm. period. That's right. And this is why civilized people carry uh, tissues. They mm. carry Kleenex and handkerchiefs. Come on. Remember remember those? Okay. Right. <laughs> and, That's and, right. And, we, and we're told, you know, turn your head and <laughs> cough into your elbow. Right. That's right. Mm. Because right. because the the mask the purpose of the mask is not to protect the wearer, it's to protect others from the That's droplets right. that come out of somebody's mouth when there's not only uh uh coughing and sneezing but loud talking, screaming, yelling, that type of thing. And and so look at look at the conduct of a Muslim. If if we practice Islam, we we would be fine, but we can't practice it living with Satan. That's that, right. That's the problem. So sometimes we do have to resort to other measures. And and while the virus is still active, you know, when you go in stores and banks and uh, closed-in places, indoors, uh, transmission is, is primarily, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sister Mariam, it's indoors. And and yes, so uh, these things can, you know, the, the, the droplets carrying the virus uh, hang in the air. When you're outside in fresh air, you're on the ocean or on the water and the wind is blowing, and, and that that's a different setting. Uh, that's right. But it has been agreed that this virus requires person-to-person transmission. And so that's right. You 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 got to get the, somebody's got to get those droplets on you, either in your face yes, or on your ma'am. hands. You put your hands on. I mean, you went through that with us, uh, Sister Mariam, early, and we're probably going to need to revisit that uh, very soon. Yes, ma'am. Um, 
the 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 protocol of of behaviors and things we should be doing uh for preventive measures that that you gave us early on cuz i don't think we foresaw this going on this long so <laughs> something yes, right <laughs> But, right. but let me uh, let me let me jump back uh, to the phones. Oh, brother, brother Terrence, I know you were you were trying to make a comment before. No, no, no I was just agreeing with you, and it's very interesting that you brought it up again because that is exactly what I said at the beginning of all this when people were talking about COVID. You know, I didn't. This was before all the death started occurring. I was really, I wasn't really scared about COVID. I was worried about quarantine. Uh, and my thing, my fear yeah. was when we started talking about people taking away, you have to lock yourself up, National Guard coming. Yes. That's what feared me. It was like COVID wasn't, Thank at you. the time, I wasn't even scared of COVID. I was like, what are they getting to do? It was like, what are they setting it's up? what they're going to do. Your, right. Yeah, like they're shutting you down. You have to stay in the house. And if you come out, it's going to be military. So it made me think about the, the, the teachings of be prepared to stay in your home for a certain amount of time. So I, I wasn't even thinking of a reality of an actual pandemic and of, of COVID. I was just thinking about what is this governmental thing that they're going to do? What is this militarized thing that they're about to do? What are they doing about shutting us down? And literally, you know, I, I'm looking at jars of bean soup that I had, you know, stored up and water that I bought because of not of COVID, but what of this government is about to do. So when you said the advent of vaccination come, and we already had that whole discussion yeah. with Sister Mario, I'm it took – Four years at the earliest, at the quickest was four years to get a vaccination. You talking about the end of right. December? I'm like, Listen, what exactly. in the world? Exactly. Yeah, what, mm-hmm. what is it that's in there that, that you're actually going to inject? That's exactly. Yeah, right. our, our, our biggest concern as we watch George Floyd die should be the U.S. government. It, it, we're not wrong yes. in, in giving them uh, uh, a place ahead of the virus You know that may be white people's Biggest concern but our biggest concern Is white people and the U.S. government That I mean that's 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 our source of death That's the that's, that's our right. cause of death That's the reason we got Preconditions that make us More vulnerable to the virus In the first place But brother that's Ruben right. is back Brother Ruben is back. <laughs> we, we're, yes, we're running out of time here, but we got him on just in time. <laughs> so let's let's hear from our international contributor, Brother Ruben Muhammad. Assalamu alaikum, sir. Waalaikum salam and all praises due to Allah. Finally got back on. Blog Talk has been doing all kinds of things to me today, cutting me off, not letting me get on. But you know, thanks to Allah, oh, just a year and uh, <laughs> it took a while, but uh, I'm back. So very quickly, we don't have a lot of time, so I'm going to get straight into it. Uh, I have been listening on uh, online uh, while trying to get back on as well, so I, I did catch a lot of this, and I'm going to go back and listen from the beginning again but uh, in the archives. But um, I want to let everyone know, yes, the, the uh, Paximune trials with Dr. Abdul Aleem Mohammed are on. Uh, if you don't have a pen, just go back to the archives of the show and uh, listen to it again. I'm going to give the email address for volunteers. Uh, the, the email address is yourimmunityproject at gmail.com. So Y-O-U-R-I-M-N-U-N-I-T-Y-P-R-O-J-E-C-T at gmail.com. 
write directly into Dr. Aline. He'll give you all of the information because basically what we are trying to do with the clinical trials is do exactly what was done back in the 90s with HIV, with alpha interferon, to prove that it works. So let's volunteer, prove it works, and you'll get all the information you need to know uh, by sending to that email. And uh, there is also a GoFundMe running, and I'm sure Dr. Aline will let you know about that because there are considerable costs to run a clinical trial that we are funding ourselves. Uh, and uh, it's not run by the government or anyone else, but we want to show the world once and for all again that alpha interferon does work and it is available and that the government should stop this ban on Cuban medicines or Chinese medicines or whatever they want to call it. It works. It saves lives. They're using it everywhere else in the world. And they allow it to be used on animals in the United States. But these same drug makers who make it for the animals will not, are not allowed and will not sell it for us to use to save our lives. So get onto that email. And also, if you missed it, please go online and watch the solar eclipse, uh, June 21, uh, that uh, came through. It was a ring of fire. Uh, plenty of clips on YouTube you can see. NASA did them and everyone else who had the right equipment. Going back to coronavirus. New Zealand had been, uh, had actually eradicated the virus. 23 days, no new cases. But unfortunately, two new cases have come up, and they're trying to figure out how did this happen. And they just did this morning, and these were travelers from the United Kingdom bringing it into the country. So again, it shows the wisdom of um, what Australia has done. We hate it because we cannot even go state to state. We're stuck in our own state. Uh, but uh, it does work until we figure out the safest ways to get back to whatever normality is or will be in a COVID world. Uh, currently, we're still not allowed to go to our places of business. Or if I go to my office, for example, I get an on-the-spot fine for 1600 bucks. And um, so we have to all work from home or work from other areas, but you're not allowed into places of business. But figure this out. If I was a drinking man, I can go to the pub. So they're allowing us to go to the pub and go to football games, but not allowed to go to work in your office. So we're now seeing here in Melbourne the largest spike we've had in, uh, from the beginning of this. Actually happened yesterday. So, you know, social distancing, people are not really following it properly. And, of course, here in Australia, it's not mandatory yet to wear face masks. We know they work, but uh, uh, Australia is kind of where New York was at the beginning when they had none. So they told everyone, look, you don't need them. Uh, they're only good for the health workers, but now you can see what's happened. Everyone needs to have them. We need to follow the example of China, Vietnam, and other nations. Vietnam is a good case for anyone to study to see how they've had virtually no deaths from this. And they're open for business. They're doing things kind of as normal as you can uh, say uh, normal is. New Zealand, they're not far behind. They opened up the country last week, but of course, few new cases have come up, as we mentioned before. In the Pacific, Papua New Guinea and other black nations, uh, they're being very careful, let it, telling the, 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 the women especially to try not to you know, delay pregnancy for at least the next two years until they figure out how to go through childbirth and all of these things safely so the children are not born infected or, or catch it in the hospital while you know, giving birth or while they're being born as well. So a lot of things going on in, uh, here in the Pacific area, in Australia. Also in Brazil, we know the death toll is climbing and going number two, and it's quickly climbing up to the American death toll. But they have an even bigger emergency now happening, which is the locusts. 
So the, uh, the crops, agriculture is being consumed by clouds and clouds of locusts, which are working their way up through, you know, Argentina, now into Brazil and, and, you know, just going through all the farmland and crops. So we expect some kind of a famine in that area very, very soon. And let us stay up to date with everything I heard everyone talk about today, the preventative measures, what we can do as individuals to stay safe, because America's not testing the way any civilized nation should be testing the people. Uh, they're not testing, uh, so they really don't know the numbers. And today's the first time we've talked about these numbers before, where we said there were, you know, Dr. Fauci and others were kind of saying, well, multiply whatever the number we say by seven. Well, now the new mathematics is multiplied by 10. So whatever the cases are, uh, multiplied by 10, that's really where, um, a, you know, the numbers are. And that number, by the way, will continue to double every week you know every every seven Thank days you. you will have 10 times 10 times that so let's say stay safe Thank family so and let's get ready to hear from the honorable minister louis farrakhan may allah bless us all assalamualaikum wa alaikum salam and thank you so much brother reuben well, you know, as we begin to close there are two questions i'm i raise for all of us number one what happened to the outbreak from the protests? Mm. Where is it? Where is it? Come on. More than two weeks ago, more than two weeks ago, you had hundreds of thousands of people from coast to coast, north to south, in close proximity. Some wearing masks, some not wearing masks, but... Los Angeles looked like the Million Man March on one of those days. Yes, in I know what you're talking about. Wake, mm-hmm. Yeah, the wake of the uh, George Floyd torture murder and the rage that swept America over the slowness of officials in Minneapolis to arrest and charge uh, these officers. And people were shoulder to shoulder. I mean, that that uh, protest in L.A. The reason I thought about the Million Man March for the terrorists, terrorists, you couldn't move. I mean, right. it, was, it was shoulder to shoulder. And right. so, why did that not result in a raging revival of the uh, virus? That's number one. Uh, number two, it was not so much a question, but just a report that Northwestern University here in Chicago just completed a study. And the study uh, revealed that the virus in Chicago, Illinois, is unique to Chicago, Illinois. Mm. It is not the same virus that was in New York City. The virus wow. in Chicago is not as is not as contagious, nor does it invade the airways as deeply as the one in New York. The one of the traits of, <sighs> of this virus is its constant mutation. It is it is elusive. It is invasive, and it changes. The, the same right. one, the, the one that came out of Wuhan, 
uh, and went to Italy, that's not even the same one that's going everywhere else. It keeps Come changing on. its nature. So how on earth are you going to tell me you have a vaccination for it? Come when on. it's not even the same thing it was a month ago. That's right. Crazy. We better think about these things. That's crazy. And above all, let's not let's not forget that at the end of the day, Allah is the possessor of power over all things. And that's right. That that's why we thank him that the I mean, I hope we know what a grace and mercy it is that we are able to hear and see the minister after mm. Savior's Day 2020. That's Come right. on. You know, it, it, it's more than mercy, though mercy is the highest and ultimate attribute of Allah. But grace, which is connected to mercy, mm. that's when God lets you into his life, into that's his right. existence. That's when right. you receive grace. And that and that's really what this is. So all the things that we're talking about we need to do, but above all, have faith in Allah. So come on. Uh, Sister Mariam, any closing remarks? See you next week. Sister Attorney Pamela, any closing remarks? No, no, ma'am. Thank you so much for that, <laughs> Sister Ava. Uh, we just love you so much for your information and your inspiration coming from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan and the teachings. Right. And thank you, Brother Terrence and Sister Mariam, and of course, Brother Ruben as well. Hallelujah. Oh, praise you to Allah. <laughs> um, and before I get my remark, last remark from Brother Terrence, I do, there's another thing I want to raise that I meant to raise with this Tulsa. And I, I really can't believe how universal it the this has been in the reporting of the Tulsa massacre. And maybe I just missed it, but I know that on none of the major outlets have I heard mention of the aerial strike Come on. on the black community. See, these That's people right. are such liars that even when they tell the truth, they still, they're still lying. Because now they all want to acknowledge the, the, the liberal media. They want to acknowledge the uh, Tulsa Black Wall Street massacre, but they totally mischaracterize what happened. They keep saying this white mob attacked the black community. This was this was a war, and it was the first and only aerial attack. In U.S. history by Americans on an American city. And I can't say the only, the first one, because the next one was Moo in Philadelphia. But they had just barely invented the airplane. And there were some private planes in Oklahoma wow. with private owners, and they 
flew over Greenwood District and 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 dropped a turpentine turpentine soaked rags on the this on the fires that had already been set on the ground. This is why thirty five blocks were burnt to a crisp. Mm. And the black community was armed. They went to war with these devils. But they were outnumbered. And the National Guard of Oklahoma came in with machine guns. They don't talk about that part. Even the black people I'm hearing on television and radio. So we're going to have to get that out, brothers and sisters, through social media. You know, we're gonna have to get that out because that that was was like the greatest atrocity within the atrocity was they actually flew over us in these little planes, and they were flying so low. Uh, one brother shot one of those devils out of the plane because they were flying low, shooting at our people. This, right. this this was a a a war that was in essence a massacre because again Oklahoma was one of the seats of the K- KKK. We talk about the South, but you don't want right. to talk about Indiana where it was born. Man, we... Racism is coast to coast. So may Allah bless us all. I see totally out of time. <laughs> With, so yeah, may Allah bless us all with love and the light of understanding. As I leave you in peace, Assalamualaikum. Wa alaikum. Wa alaikum. Wa alaikum. Wa alaikum. Wa alaikum. Wa alaikum.